The reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, and beginning to read at verse 1. And this can be found on page 1037 in the Church Bibles. After this, Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others, these women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered, because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it, and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but... As they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Good morning again, everyone. How are we all feeling today? Yeah? Did you enjoy getting up slightly earlier? Oh, mixed response there. I didn't need an alarm clock. (laughs) There we go. So, the parable of the sower. Quite a a well-known one, although maybe not all of us will know it. Um, I certainly don't know how to extend this uh, music stand, so let's not worry about that. Um, And uh, if you're new here today, especially welcome to you. I'm new as well, so I know how it feels, and I'm certainly still finding my feet. But I have taken some tips from Callum about how to speak at St. Paul's, so that's helpful. And um, hopefully uh, we can really enjoy looking at this passage together. So let's pray. Let's pray that God would really speak to us through it. Um, And then we're going to do a little icebreaker before we carry on. Father, thank you for this famous and very, very powerful and insightful parable. We pray that uh, you would take what may be familiar words and give them new resonance for us by using them to speak into the areas of our lives where you want to move us forward, where you want to liberate us where we're being held back, where you want us to allow, to allow us to fulfill our potential. We offer ourselves to you. We offer our ears to you. And we pray, Lord, that we would hear and discern everything you want to say to us this morning. Thank you, Father. Amen. Okay, so on the screen um, is a question, and I just thought we'd take a couple of minutes just to turn to our neighbour, if you can, to someone that you don't really know. Um, It's still January, it's still a newish year, I wasn't here at the beginning, so this is my chance to get us thinking about our goals for 2016. So whatever comes to the top of your head, just share that. It can be funny or it can be serious or it can be somewhere in between. But let's just do that together for a moment. Hello. What's your name? Uh, Edgar. Uh, Yeah. Hello. This is your sister. How old is she? Yeah, how old are you? Okay, that's good. Do you have any goals for 2016? Get into the top maths group, that would be good. Yeah, that would be really good. Anything else? Top maths group, that's good. Great. Okay. Yeah, well, that's, that's something to aim for, isn't it? That'd be good. Great. And what are you going to do today? What's, what does the rest of the day look like for you? Uh, I'm finishing my homework. Yeah, that's great. And, and it was Edgar, yeah? Yeah, E D G A R. Okay, perhaps if we can be drawing those conversations to a close. I hope that was fun. You you did seem to be enjoying it. It uh, may even have been useful. Did anyone come up with a goal they didn't have before they started? Yes, nervous laughter. Okay, well, don't worry. Uh, We won't come back to it apart from at the end of the year just once, um, just to check that that you've got there. Uh, Do you want to hear mine? Yeah? 
I was chatting to Edgar, and we were talking about rugby and, uh, and, and maths groups for him, but uh, mine on the screen, okay, I just thought I'd uh, get a few images to talk about mine. There we go. You might expect that of a new vicar, a church that's growing. I think that's, that's one of my goals. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Um, that I would stop growing. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, next one. Yeah, there we go. I have to tell you that on Thursday, this is Kate's nodding, he slept through the night. Two months old. It's amazing, isn't it? It's a, and we've got this thing where you can keep playing my sermons continuously through the night, and <laughs> it worked a treat. Um, but we're, you know, great. First uninterrupted night, and we're, we're hoping for many more um, to come. Uh, that would be good. Okay, so, uh, but one more. There we go. What, what's that? You're what? You're, you're a West Ham supporter as well. Oh, that's good. There we go. West Ham being a West Ham supporter is good preparation for life, particularly for the downs, I'd say more than the ups. But West Ham in the Champions League is not a completely ridiculous idea, and the Bible tells us nothing is impossible for God. So it, it doesn't say he's actually interested in who gets into the Champions League, obviously. But there we go. West Ham on the crest of a wave. You will hear more about that um, as the months unfold. But I thought I really ought to have a fifth uh, goal for 2016, so let's go on to that. But I wondered whether you could just suggest to me what it ought to be. Anyone want to make a suggestion? Okay, that's obviously... Oh, yep. To be even closer to Jesus. Did you come to the last service? No, 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 no. Um, That's right, absolutely. I was going to ask if we hadn't come up with that answer. What would Jesus say? And clearly, this passage that we've read this morning and, and all that we think about week on week would tell us that getting closer to Jesus, our relationship with him, our faith in him, it has to be one of the goals, I would suggest, the biggest goal of our lives. Spiritual growth. That's what we're talking about today. And um, we all have the capacity for faith, don't we? Absolutely. We still know the vast majority of the population of Britain and certainly the whole world believe in God and say that they sometimes pray. And Jesus, in this parable, likened faith to a tiny little seed. Just imagine I've got a little apple pip here in my finger. And he likens faith at the beginning of being as small and as vulnerable as that. But he tells this parable to show us how something that small, which might be just the very tiniest bit of interest that someone here might have in exploring further who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. And it can grow into something enormous, into a huge apple tree, strong, visible, bearing much fruit, and bringing blessing to all those around them. That's what this is about, about a tiny mustard seed of faith becoming something enormous and wonderful. And that's what this parable is about. And Jesus aimed it at absolutely every type of person in the world. How do we know that? Because of what he goes on to say. He's conscious that Jesus, in a time where there weren't that many alternative forms of entertainment, let's be honest, no television, no football matches, no swimming pools, you know, whatever it is, no soft play, (laughs) nothing really that much to entertain you. So many people gathered around this man that everyone was talking about. Wherever he went, 
there was a huge crowd. And by this point, even though it probably is his first parable, he's so surrounded by people that he goes out into a boat onto the Lake Galilee so they can all gather around on the shore. And he tells this parable to them. And what he's trying to do through it is to speak to every single type of person listening. Some of whom already knew they wanted to follow him. Some of whom were, at best, mildly curious. And some actually were downright hostile, like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And he tells this parable so that every person in that crowd and every person in the world, whoever hears this parable, read and explained to them in the future, would know about the choices that they face and would know about the wonderful opportunities that they have to grow spiritually, to find all their hopes and dreams fulfilled through God, if their heart is in the right place. Because that's what this metaphor of the parable is actually all about. We call it the parable of the sower, what we probably should call it the parable of the soils. We know that the seed is the word of God, We know that Jesus, in the immediate context, is the sower. He's sharing the word of God. But anyone else subsequently who does that, including me here today, is a sower. But the key thing in the parable is that we all have different types of soil. Which are we going to be? And though we may think that many things in our life are preordained, as it were, nothing we can do about them. The condition of our hearts, which is what the condition of the soil represents in the parable, is up to us. We can determine that. And it's in response to that, that that seed grows into something truly amazing. Or it's lost and never bears fruit and never even grows at all. So that's what we're looking at. At today, And Jesus does it through these four um, types of sort. Here they are on the screen. So that's where we're heading. And the first of them is the path. And uh, obviously a path then wasn't made of paving stones. It wasn't made of tarmac. But in a hot country as Israel is and was then, certainly it would be rock hard most of the time. And any seed that falls there was clearly in danger of being trodden on because these paths were well used. It's in danger of being pecked up by the birds, and Jesus uh, it makes that quite clear as well. And the, the implication and the explanation that Jesus gives is this. Verse 10 is all about parables, and verse 12 tells us who these people are. And the implication is this. It's people who hear and don't listen. It's people for whom the words go into their ears, but they don't understand them, they don't choose to engage with them, they don't seek any help to understand them, and so before long, before no time at all, they're forgotten, and they've had no impact. And Jesus says that parables actually, this is what verse 10 is about, are, if you like, a test to find out how open our hearts are. Because the way a parable works is like this. You can listen to it, but not really think about it, not really remember it, not really engage with it, not seek anyone to help you understand it, and its meaning will never sink home, and it will have no impact. 
But if our hearts are open and we really want to know what it means, we really want to understand it, we really want to be blessed by it, well then we will be able to. Parables can be understood and when they are understood they become the most memorable and the most um, brilliant ways of remembering spiritual truths that we can then take with us and share with others. And Jesus, of course, uses an analogy of sowing seed that we may not have much experience of. I don't think I've successfully ever looked after a pot plant or grown anything of any, uh, any uh, lasting value. However, in those days, they knew how to sow seed. It wasn't a particularly mechanical process, and Jesus' metaphor just made perfect sense to them. And what I do know is I know that I benefit from plants and trees that grow up and bear fruit. And I know too that every time I look at a tree or a plant, I see a reminder of what God calls me to, that his seeds of his word in me would bear fruit in something big, fruitful, and that's a blessing to everyone around. So, the, power, the first soil, the path, clearly the challenge to us is, are we listening? Whenever the word is coming into our ears, do we engage with it? And do we pray that it would have an impact in us? So that's the first of the soils. The second, then, is uh, something quite different rocky ground. And I should explain that this isn't so much uh, soil like we have in England, where we have lots of stones uh, scattered among them. What this is, is something that was much more typical in Israel then, which is underlying limestone rock with just a very thin layer of soil on top of it, particularly on hillsides. That's what you would find. And uh, Jesus says, well, such soil superficially looks quite promising, because what happens is very quickly something grows up And it looks like all is going well. And yet, as he explains there, the danger is, with no depth of soil, no roots can be put down. And as soon as the heat comes, the plants are scorched and withered because they have no roots. There was nowhere for the roots to go. So what does this represent? Well, Jesus explains it like this. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, they fall quickly away. So, what do the missing roots represent here? They represent the understanding that being a Christian actually means going against the flow. It has wonderful rewards, and we think about that week on week, don't we? It brings so much joy and blessing and strength and peace and purpose and fulfillment into our lives. I'm sure none of us would swap it for anything in the world. Yet it also has costs. The costs of sometimes living in a different way to those around us. The costs that sometimes people may not like us because of our faith, or certainly not like that aspect of us. The cost that people may mock us behind our backs or even to our faces. I'm not sure which is worse. The cost that actually growing our relationship takes effort, sacrifice and self-discipline. Like choosing to read our Bible each day, choosing to pray, choosing to give generously to churches or to those in need. 
It may involve us standing up for those who are unjustly treated. It may involve befriending those who are unpopular. Being a Christian is not always easy. It's countercultural. And having roots represents us to understanding those things and yet still committing to it. But those who don't understand these things are those who are initially enthusiastic, but they don't know what they've signed up for. Difficulties come, and they feel disappointed. They feel, this isn't what I was expecting. And too, too often, sadly, this is a reason for them to perhaps back off. Perhaps their interest wanes, or perhaps they give up on their faith altogether. What Jesus is saying is we need to have the right expectations You're signing up for a battle here. You're going to face some battles. You're going to face some difficulties. You might even be wounded. But with me, we shall overcome. We shall be victorious. And we shall see the kingdom growing as we play our part in the Lord's army in doing his work. When people move away from God because they face difficulties, it's such a tragedy because they're actually rejecting a Christianity that Jesus never taught. And what do we have the opportunity to do as a people of God together? It's to stand alongside each other. So when those difficulties come, we can, with hands held together, with faith together, face them, find comfort in them, and support each other through them. That way, we're robust. That way, nothing can detract from the journey that we're on, in growing strong in our relationship with God, in our faith in him. So, the third type of soil then, another one that we can be susceptible to, and I'd have to say it's probably in the West, the one that we're most in danger of. Jesus said this about the third type of soil. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. And the explanation that followed was this. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So, perhaps we are those who would say we're Christians. We have a relationship with God. We have a relationship with Jesus. We have some roots of good understanding of the Bible and what God's called us to. And we know that we will face difficulties. But maybe it's the busyness of our work. Maybe it's the busyness of our families. Maybe it's our studies. Maybe it's our social life. Maybe it's the desire to appear popular. Maybe it's the desire to appear successful. Maybe it's the corners that we cut ethically so that we would thrive in our job. Maybe it's the compromises we make so we fit in with our circle of friends or with our families. All of which could mean We're not as committed or as obedient to Jesus as we might be. Maybe it's a stubborn independence, if you like. We we don't like the thought that our decisions need to be made in consultation with Jesus. We'd rather be in full control, even though we know theoretically he knows what's best. Or maybe there are just too many other things that are just a little bit easier or a little bit more tempting to do with our time watching television, daydreaming, even work sometimes. There's a spiritual battle going on every day 
where we choose whether we're going to allow ourselves to be fed by Jesus through his word, through listening to him, through praying to him, through having conversations about him with others, through offering the day to him, through asking him to prompt us in all the conversations that we have and in all that we do, and in reflecting on that day and seeing whether we were faithful to him. All of that is costly. It takes effort. It adds, if you like, a level of complexity to what we're doing. And yet that's what we need to do if we're to avoid being choked by the weeds and the thorns. The goal is that actually we are soil where nothing else is present that is contrary to the purpose that we've been given, which is that we would grow strong in our faith and bear fruit for Christ. Where are you at? Are you feeling like you're being distracted? Are you feeling like there's compromise in your life? Let me just assure you that every single one of us has moments in our life where that's true of us. And God's heart for us and Jesus' love for us means that whenever we turn back to them and say, liberate me, set me free, so I can thrive unhindered again for you, they will always answer that prayer. And they will do that here this morning as well. Which leads us then onto the final soil, soil which has been weeded, that is deep, and in which full, long-lasting growth can occur. The soil Jesus longs for us, and all his desires mean they can be fulfilled if we allow him to be at work in us. Now, Jesus said this about the good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying some 30, 60, or even 100 times. And the explanation that follows is this. It's those who hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, 100 times what was sown, which is a phenomenal return, especially with the farming methods they had then. It's the language of abundance. It's the language of exceeding all of our expectations. It's the language of something remarkable happening because the power of God, through his spirit, takes something small, which is the seed of our faith, and does something extraordinary through it, through these coincidences that he works, through knitting together of different people's gifts and time and efforts, and doing extraordinarily spiritually powerful things and significant things through them. We can be part of that. We can bear fruit. So what does fruit mean? Well, I just want to suggest to you as we finish that it's two things. How do we know whether we're fruitful? Number one, our character is changing. Now, I think we make the mistake sometimes of thinking that that's something that happens in the early years of being a Christian, and then it's done. <laughs> we've, we've developed this sort of Christian uh, character, persona, um, if you like, and it's stable. We just carry it with us for the rest of our lives. But that's not the picture that the Bible gives. Rather, the picture is of year on year, character change. There's always something that Jesus is working on. And whilst we do forget things, I think clearly the picture is actually that we develop. If one year the thing we're working on, I don't know, is swearing, whatever it is, or next year it's evangelism, the next year it might be um, how we treat our colleagues or our family. And there could be different things every year. The idea is that we are constantly being pushed forward to new areas of our lives 
in which we can display more and more evidence of the character of Jesus in us. We're never there. We're never the finished article. But if you want to know what good soil is, it's those who go on hungering to change right to the end of their lives, who are never content in that sense, but know that they find their peace and joy and fulfillment in knowing each day, each year, they are being transformed. They are becoming more like Jesus. So that's one form of fruit. The other is this, being used by God to bless others, to help others, to share our faith with others, to show the love of God to others in such a way that they are so struck by it, they know that it is God in you, it is Jesus in you that is at work. Have you known that happen in your lives? I'm sure we all have at one point or another. But being good soil is that we expect that to happen all the time. And it can, if we offer every day to him, where we're not going through the motions, but we're believing that God coincidences, divinely prompted conversations, circumstances that the Holy Spirit manipulates for good, can mean that every day the kingdom is growing. Every day we are changing. Every day we are learning something. And every day people are being struck by us and wanting to know who it is that is making you who you are and soon realizing that it is the living God who lies at the center of who we are of how we are, and of what we're living for. That's what we're called to do. So, where are we this morning? Maybe you're a visitor. Maybe you're just new to coming along to church. Maybe you're just curious. You'd like to find out more. Jesus' heart for you would be to go on exploring. Talk to a Christian friend. Read one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John in the Bible? Why not come on an Alpha course? Why not come back to church? Why not have a conversation with someone who might be able to answer some of the questions that you've got? Jesus' word to you is keep exploring. Maybe you, you would call yourself a Christian, but you feel on the fringes of things. Maybe you feel, well, I'm not sure I have grown that much recently. Well, why not join a house group? Why not start reading the Bible and praying regularly? Why not read a Christian book designed to help people to make a a big step forward in their faith? Why not arrange to meet a Christian friend or a minister just to talk about how you can grow more quickly? Any one of those things could make a massive difference. They're achievable because if you take those steps towards God, he will take steps towards you. Or maybe you're in a third category. Maybe you are feeling positive about your spiritual growth recently. There will be people here like that. We affirm you. That is great. But here's my encouragement to you. Can you move from being an example to others to being an enabler of others to grow, an encourager of others to grow, so that you share what you have so they can enjoy it too? We need to finish. 
what I invite us to do is just take a, a minute or so. We're just going to be silent again. And I want you to try and identify where you're at, which type of soil best represents where you're at spiritually at the moment. I want you to hear that Jesus loves you, whichever of those categories you're in. I want you to hear that he has a way forward for you. It's a way forward that you don't need to be scared of. It's a way forward that will help you fulfill the dreams that deep down you have to be made right with God and to be the best people that you can possibly be through his grace and through his transforming power. So let's just take a minute now. Invite God to speak to you. Choose to respond to him in your own prayer. And then I'm going to pray for us all together. So let's take that, take that time together now. Father God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you know everything about us. Thank you that you help us. Thank you that you have purposes for us. Thank you that you can transform us. Thank you that you can use us to be a real blessing to people around us. Thank you that you can give us faith. Father, thank you that you can renew our minds. Thank you that you can give us confidence and peace and boldness and joy. So we ask that you would do that in us. Whichever stage we're at, would you lead us to the next steps? And Father, might this year, 2016, be one that we look back on as one in which we grew and in which we grew beyond our wildest dreams. Thank you, Father. Amen.